Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, hey, hey. Our test is in the stands. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Points in the Paint podcast. As always, presented by Stadium. We are Stadium's NBA podcast, Zach. And as I say, his name is... Zach Badger House, always in the house. Number one podcast, NBA podcast at Stadium. Gotta always mention that. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm Ben Wittenstein. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Points Paint. We have YouTube channel. You can find us anywhere that you find your podcasts. And Zach, fun guest on today. We had Cam Smith from Stadium to preview every single thing about the Chicago Bulls. I don't think we missed one thing. I don't think we missed either. You know, I think we touched based on a lot. You know, shout out to Cam for coming on. And it's always good to get Cam on the Points in the Pain podcast. You know, I appreciate him joining us to talk everything Chicago Bulls. And I can't be a fan, you know, just yet, you know. Be be a member of the Chicago Bulls <laughs> fan base. I got about three more years before I can even put my app in, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, we went over we went over what it's going to take for you to be a Chicago Bulls fan if you want to come on the bandwagon, uh, because this season, Zach, seems like it's going to be a, a special one for the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. So we talked to Cam all about that. We're very excited uh, for what he had to say, and he ended up, uh, you know, he pretty positive, pretty positive for what he had to yeah. say about the Chicago Bulls. High expectations. Definitely got some high expectations for the Chicago Bulls. And I think you and I both do, too, as well. And so I think, you know, they can't really fall short. I don't think they can and I don't think they really will fall short of our expectations. No, not not at all. And we'll so we'll get to that interview in a second. We also have some NBA news to get to here and there. There was some stuff that happened this past week uh, with Aaron Gordon and John Wall and covid vaccines. But before we do, Zach, let's continue what we have been doing every week since August 1st, and that is the Points in the Paint voicemail. Hearing from the Points in the Painters, everything about the NBA, this has become my favorite part of the podcast, um, hearing everyone's takes and what they think about everything going on around the NBA. You can call us anytime you want, 773. Yes. I mean, it, that's the best part, is you can call us any time of day, 24-7, 888. Leave us a message. We got some great calls, and we'll play them now. Hello. Please leave a message after the tone. This is Brandon out of Houston, and I just want to say I am very surprised by John Wall. Now, that is a whole sticky situation. I'm very surprised by the John Wall news. I was hoping he would actually be able to stay with the young guys. I'm a huge listener. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ben. 
Talk to you later. Uh, hey, Points in the Paint. This is uh, Tommy here. I just was calling to ask y'all a question. Do you guys really think the big three at the Lakers is going to work? Because I don't know myself. I, I'm more of a Brooklyn Nets fan, so I'm kind of rooting for them. But I don't hate the Lakers, so I always loved Russ. Got to respect Brian. AD is my favorite power forward. But I just don't see them, like, working for real, for real. And that's only because of the shooting part. Like, only one person on that team shooting somewhat consistently out of their big three, and that's Bron. Russ ain't going to do it. AD is, like, low 30%, I want to say. And outside of them, who else they even have, like, for shooters that are actually reliable? You got to be able to spread that floor. But at the same time, they might be able to do it just off the pure strength of defense and rebound, and that win games, too. So I just wanted to get y'all take on that. Albert here, fellas, out of uh, Michigan. Just want to let you guys know why come you guys haven't done anything on the Detroit Pistons yet. Just curious about that. Curious how you guys feel about Cade Cunningham. And that guy, you know, he's going to be a rookie this year. Just wanted to see if you guys are, think he's going to be uh, rookie of the year. Talk to you guys soon. Yeah, I have a question for uh, Zach. Is, are the are the Bulls going to be the number one team in the East this year? All right, we appreciate everyone's call. We had some good stuff from Brandon, Albert, Tim, Tommy, everyone. It was great. We had some great yes. stuff. Yes, shout out to Big Al and EMU. Listen, don't even trip. Don't even worry. Kay Cunningham, you know, all of the above in terms of Detroit Pistons. We're going to preview them, you know, pretty soon. So just stay tuned. You know, that's going to be coming right away. And so you will not have to worry about that anymore. Tommy, man, listen, Tom, I, I feel you with the Brooklyn Nets. You know, we, Ben and I, we weren't huge fans of that team last season. But I want to say this in regards to the L.A. Lakers. I do believe it can work. I do believe they can reach the finals. I do believe they have enough three-point shooting because Carmelo Anthony came off a career-high three-point shooting percentage last year, and he joined that roster. I think Rondo would do a pretty good job of getting guys involved as long as Anthony Davis will learn and commit to playing the five and actually being engaged. I think that team will become a you know championship contender and be able to make it out of the Western Conference with the shooting they have alongside with the rebounds and the defensive effort. Yeah, the outside shooting, I think, is is the question mark that everyone is going to have about the Lakers, and they will have it until the season starts. And mm-hmm. we'll see through the first couple of games if they're able to get any quality three-point shots and then hit those quality three-point shots. Um, because the way they are constructed and the big three that they have with LeBron and Westbrook and Anthony Davis, that is just not a high-volume nor extremely accurate three-point shooting group. So I think it's very fair to have those questions about can they hit threes? Are they going to be able to generate three-pointers? And if they can, are they going to be able to get by defenses that sag off and just cram the paint with defenders? Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how everything works out. I don't think it's going to be a mess. Um, because, you know, you have three Hall of Famers as your big three, so they're going to figure out a way to score the basketball. Um, I just think it's a, it's a very fair question that once they get to the playoffs and the playoffs start and everything tightens up and everything becomes more on edge, are they going to be able to get through teams who maybe can outscore them with three-point shooting? 
Now, you know <laughs> how I feel <laughs> about that three-point ball. I know you do. Three-point shot when it comes to the playoffs and throughout the, the regular season. Now, them analytics will tell you a lot. As, as we both know, we're at the crib, as we mentioned in previous podcasts before, and as, as everyone saw, despite them and the Los Angeles Clippers both being the top three-point shooting teams in the league last season. So you technically, and I want to also mention the Milwaukee Bucks shot only like 32% in the NBA Finals from the three-point line. So you don't necessarily need to live off the three-point shot in order to be successful in the postseason in order to or in order to reach the NBA finals as well. I do want to just mention that, you know, a little bit. Health over there in Brooklyn should be the key. And everybody brings up age with the Lakers, but I think, you know, wisdom is, you know, wise, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and as for uh Brandon in Houston talking about John Wall, if you want to talk about John Wall, uh we talked a lot about it with Richard Binkley. Uh, You can go back and listen to that episode with the team preview for the Houston Rockets. Now, what he told us, and he is in the know, he is deep into the Houston Rockets fandom. He said a lot of people wanted John Wall out, uh, or at the very least were expecting him to leave. And Brandon said he was hoping he actually stuck around. So this seems to be kind of the contrarian viewpoint that we were told a lot of Houston Rockets fans had. You know, it's interesting because he is someone who has – he's not old – You know, he's not a guy who's like on the tail end of his career. He can still bring something to a team, but he's not the young guy. So if you're on a different timeline than him, you're you're going to want to get rid of him. You're going to want to save that cap for probably other players, for other people you want to bring in. So I just thought it was interesting. And and I it's interesting to see that there are some Houston fans out there that wanted to see the John Wall experiment work. Yeah. You know, I understand it, especially, you know, that. And John Wall being a veteran guy in order to, you know, come in, help the Jalen Green, you know, develop a Kevin Porter into becoming the true traditional. Well, not necessarily traditional, but the common point guard that you see today, because, yes, you know, John Wall was one of the last guys who could, you know, distribute the ball at a high level, you know, coming into those last you know, few drafts in the early 2010s, you know, being a distributor as well as a guy who could score the basketball. And I think, you know, yeah, he averaged about 20 points throughout the uh, season last year in about six assists. Didn't shoot it relatively well, but uh, I think as long as he can stay healthy, he can help out a team. You know, I definitely think that. I still believe he's a starter in this league, no question, John Wall. But the biggest issue, and you and I both know with John Wall, outside of health, is that cheese. (laughs) That money makes so so much much money. money. (laughs) So much money. He is, so he is, looking at the numbers, Zach, it's $44 million, I believe, this season, 44.2, something like that is on contract for him this season. Next season, he has a player option, so it's his decision, on $47 million. Now, I don't know anyone on earth who would say no to $47 million. Now, which makes it hard to trade. So, like, what? How much did Chris say no to? Chris Chris said said no to, like, 40. Yeah, like 40. Was it 40 or 50? Some somewhere around there, he left some money on the table for sure for that new contract. So yes, he left he left that on the table to be able to get a new contract, and I think that's what people are talking about possibly happening with John Wall. Maybe he gets bought out, gets to go to a different team, sign a new contract. There's a lot of moving parts. He apparently, according to Shams, he says he does not want to do a buyout. 
So either John Wall is just going to be the $40 million man sitting on the bench for the rest of the season for the Rockets, or they're going to have to figure out something because that is a almost impossible contract to trade when the team getting him knows that he is going to probably trigger that $47 million player option next season on their books. It's not February. So we didn't really bring out the trade machine for any no. hypothetical for any hypothetical trade. No, it's a little rusty. It's out in the back. Yeah, so it's just September. Like, I don't really know. I don't really and I honestly don't even know where he could go. Like all the guys with the money, it's so hard to put together, you know, a trade that's gonna be ideal for every party and for for all the dollars to match. Because those are the two most important things it has to be able to the player has to be ideal for it to work in every every situation and then the money has to match ben simmons makes so much money john wall makes so much money <laughs> so it's, it's so <laughs> hard to move those guys even when the damian lillard rumors were around you know damian lillard makes so much money but he came out you know he's ready baby you know they ready to work out there oh, in yeah. Damian yeah. Lillard, video game, Dame, he ready. You know, CJ, you know, hopefully, you know, we see what they can do out there. But Dame is ready. You know, he put on the gram. You know, he's ready. So we have Cam coming up. We just wanted to get to the news that was just happening. Uh, NBA players are not going to be required to get the COVID-19 vaccine, which doesn't seem like much of an issue, Zach, because they reported in July that the, the league or the players are 90% vaccinated. So you would imagine, as of this recording in mid-September, they're probably up to at least, what, 93, 95, something like that, maybe close to 100%. So they're not going to require the players to get vaccinated, but you really don't have to require them because most of the league is going to be vaccinated anyway. So that is one of those non-news news things that just kind of slips by because they're vaccinated. The players are getting vaccinated. There really hasn't been too much of an issue with it, like what we saw in the NFL um, and the players are, I, I think being in the bubble and seeing what issues with COVID would cost them being away from the families, not yeah. playing games. Yeah. I think them seeing that firsthand made them say, all right, let's get this vaccine. Let's not worry about it next season. And, uh, we'll, we'll be fully back. So it's good to see that most of the league is probably fully vaxxed at this point. The other thing is Aaron Gordon signed an extension four years, $92 million with the Denver Nuggets. Love this signing for Denver. It's a lot of money, but he fit really, really well with Jokic. It he fits for sure. Definitely fits. I agree with you with uh, Aaron Gordon being able to fit with the Denver Nuggets. But ninety two million. I don't don't know, being. I I don't (laughs) know if I would have gave. I don't know if I would have gave Aaron Gordon ninety. Like he's scratching the surface for a hundred. So Aaron Gordon is good enough to scratch the surface for a hundred million dollars in this league. I need to have a son soon because <laughs> he got to do something. These baseball contracts, these, these NFL contracts getting better. And NBA, it only gets better. You know, you got, I ain't going to say scrubs, but you got some guys out there in the NBA where you look at them dollar size and their level of production and you really question the GM and then you really salute whoever his agent is for getting him those those top dollars. So, yeah, four years, 92 mil for Aaron Gordon. Man, get paid, my brother, get paid. Hey, you just have to find and, and marry a woman who's like seven feet tall and then you <laughs> sit, she's seven, your kid will be six five. It'll be perfect, perfect NBA height. And then you'll be swimming in the money in, you know, 18 to 20 years. 
He's sitting there clowning. So you don't know what my jeans like. You don't know. I might have an uncle out. I might have some uncles out there. That's like six, five, you know, cause I am taller than my pops and I am only standing at about five, ten, about five, ten. So that's a soft six foot. It's a soft six feet. <laughs> but long as my, long as my future son can be somewhere six feet, six one, uh, we league bound. I don't, I don't know which league, but we league bound. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got Cam coming up talking everything Chicago Bulls. And uh, he had a very good hot take as well. One that I really, as a Bulls fan, I really respected his hot take for the Chicago Bulls. So here's Cameron Smith. All right. To preview the Chicago Bulls here on the Points in the Pain podcast, we want to welcome in Stadium's Cameron Smith. He hosts Inside the Association, among other shows on Stadium. Cam, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's always good, good to be back on Points in the Paint, man. My man, Zach, my man, Ben. So let's let's get to it, fellas. You already know what it is, man. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Now, before we get started, right, with the questions, I got a question for both you and Ben. My question uh-huh. is, you know, I've been living in Chicago for like two years now. You know, it's been like two years. And so is it OK? You know, I don't know if it's this throughout the first beginning of the season or maybe midway. But when can I become an official Chicago Bulls fan? I mean, just let me know. You know how long does it take? You know, how long do I have? You got you got to put at least five years in. Five? Just okay. Even, just, to, just to even get your name on a wait list, man. You got to put five years just to get your name on a wait list. And then we'll kind of review your application to see if you qualify. So right now you're still, at this point, you're honorary, okay. right? But, you there know, you we'll, we'll see if you, you pass some tests. But right now you, you got to you gotta be on the, you'll be on the wait list. That's the next step. Yeah, you have to watch a full season of Jim Boylan coach basketball. And then I there think you, you can then you can be a, the Bulls fan. You got to go all 82 games. Okay, well, I'm still rooting for the Chicago Bulls this year regardless. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, Cam, looking at the Bulls as we preview their uh, offseason and the season to come, um, a lot of people looking at the Bulls. um, I think it's controversial in saying they had the best offseason of a lot of teams because I think a lot of people didn't like the DeMar DeRozan signing with all the money issues, but they got Lonzo Ball, a guy they've been eyeing for a long time. Um, yeah. And just looking at the whole offseason as a whole, do you think they addressed a lot of the needs uh, that they were going to the offseason needing? Yeah, they actually, for me, surprised me in a, num- a number of ways. And I've, I've said this all the time and I've made this comparison. I'm sure I've made this on points in the paint. But Arturis Karnaschovas is like Michael Corleone in The Godfather, where he's very stoic. You don't know what the hell he's about to do. And then you look up and he flips everything on his head, right? Nobody had the Bulls making the moves that they made in this offseason. There were questions out there about, okay, point guard. They need a point guard. Who are they going to get? Can they get not even just one of the younger point guards in Lonzo Ball and somebody that has a bright future ahead? But the talk was about trying to get a veteran point guard to try and handle this Bulls team and setting up Zach and setting up uh, Vucevic and, and making that work. But Arturis Konashovic was a guy that, again, when he got full autonomy, and that's the word that was thrown out by the Bulls' head brass of what Konashovic would have, when he got that, he's like, okay, well, this is my my operation. I'm going to run this how I ran it back in Denver where we had success and continue to draft the right way and get a lot of great young pieces in our system. And now things are coming to fruition with the Nuggets, and we're seeing how they're one of the best teams in the NBA. So we're looking at a guy that, has a one more time on his hands to understand what this roster makeup will be and what this franchise is about. 
And now he's changing that around and putting his own spin on it, right? So uh, the acquisition of Lonzo Ball was huge for a number of reasons. Because one, it takes a lot of pressure off of Kobe White, who struggled as a point guard. And I was having this conversation with uh, Darnell Mabry of The Athletic and also my guy Chris Kaysen, Kaysen as well, who's covered the Bulls for a number of years. We were having this conversation the other night about Kobe White and what he is. And one thing that he's not is a point guard. That's just never been, and this is no knock to Kobe White because he's never been a point guard. And when you think of point guard, you're thinking about somebody that one could get theirs, but then also set facilitate. other people up and be able to run an offense. Exactly, Zach, be able to facilitate. But that's never been Kobe. Like he's always been a guy that can score the basketball and score the basketball damn well. Like I think, I believe he's still at the, the leader all time and most points scored in North Carolina state history. Um, on a high school level, I believe in some ways, or at least he's up there. Then in North Carolina he was putting up nearly 20 a game and, and carrying Roy Williams team so he was always been asked to score so when he got to the NBA you're putting the responsibility on a young kid to one learn the toughest position in the league that point guard spot then also having to defend that point guard spot but also trying to set and facilitate for a team that really didn't have the necessary pieces that allow Kobe to have that maturation as a point guard where he can grow and mature and Jim Boylan is another subject for another day. I pride myself on growing, and this is growth because I'm not going to go down that yes. rabbit hole of Jim Boylan, but I think that started oh. Kobe's growth as well as a point guard. So now that responsibility of him being a starting point guard in the NBA is off his shoulders. You have a guy in Lonzo Ball that, one, brings size to the point guard position, and two, brings defensive capabilities and abilities to that spot, which the Bulls are going to need because, again, as I mentioned, the point guard spot is the toughest spot in the league, but you have a guy that has played in the toughest conference in the NBA, the West, night in, night out, and he knows the tendencies of a lot of players out there, and he's not going to get pushed around. Like Lonzo Ball, when you think about who he is in terms of physicality, He's not a guy that you're going to be able to, one, put in the post, two, be able to run off screens, and three, think you're going to be able to beat him on back doors or break him down one-on-one. He's just not that guy. That's just the defensive side of the ball. Now you take it to the offensive side of the ball, and he's a throwback because he likes to get up and down. He likes to hit people in stride and give the ball ahead, pitch it ahead. And now you're talking about two wings and Zach Levine coming off the gold medal in Tokyo. Shout out to Zach for doing that yeah. and raising his profile there. And then also you're talking about another guy in the other lane, DeMar DeRozan, who has a lot to prove. And DeMar DeRozan is a guy that people have forgotten about. I still believe that he's one of the better shooting guards in the NBA. Is he top five? I don't know, but he's right outside of that top five when you think about his body of work and what he's been able to maintain throughout his career. Now, San Antonio, they had their lulls, and, you know, just the pieces didn't work in San Antonio. As great as Greg Popovich was, or excuse me, is as a head coach, it just didn't work out with DeRozan in San Antonio. So this is a new team, new life, a little bit younger. They're going to get up and down, something that DeMar likes. He's from Cali. He's from L.A. So you know West Coast. They like to get up and down and play that type of game. And I think DeMar still has a lot left in his tank to give this Bulls franchise. So to fully answer your question, Ben, yes, I love the moves that they made. I was surprised at the moves that they made. But now we're establishing some sort of real culture and identity with this Bulls franchise, and it's something that we haven't had since the Derrick Rose years. It's so crazy that you brought up the Bulls GM because Ben 
has been very adamant about the Bulls kind of looking similar to the Denver Nuggets in terms of like the pieces that they've yeah. tried to acquire and everything else. So it's very interesting that you bring that up because that's something being touched on throughout the season a lot, especially when they hired the uh, the GM for the Bulls. Yeah, man. It, and, and that's 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 for anybody in any profession. If you have success at one location or one job and you transfer to another job, you're still going to do the same things and have the same <laughs> techniques and routines and just kind of tech uh, schemes to bring you success. So if it ain't broke, then don't fix it. Like it's an old cliche, <laughs> but that's, that's what AK is doing. That's what Mark Eversley is doing. Like they're leveraging their experience and the success that they've had one in a front office standpoint, but then two with player relationships. And especially when you think about Mark Eversley, that plays a part into luring free agents to, your city to your franchise. And we all know this in the NBA, that relationships are everything. So if you're able to have that dynamic one from uh, Connor Chauvin's aspect of him understanding how to run a franchise, run a team, get the right pieces in, whether that's on the roster, but also coaching staff to bring success, but then to have Mark Eversley in as a buffer, but also maintaining those player relationships and bringing his basketball acumen to the fold in those conversations and meeting with uh, AK. That, that's, that's, You'd be surprised and you'd be hard pressed not to say that, hey, they're not going to be successful. Like at this point now, and I know we'll get to this a little deeper. One, this is a playoff team. And I'm not going to hesitate by saying that. This is a playoff team, not a, not a play in team. They're not going to be one of those teams that's going to be <laughs> I the like ninth it. or tenth team to make it. And oh, yeah, this is a pat on the back of a nice consolation prize. Like good effort, good try, guys. You made the play in. No, this is a legit playoff team making somewhere in between the six, four to five position. Let me not say top six because people are going to say, Oh my God, Cameron has the Bulls trying to make the, the number one seed in the East. That's not going to, that's not going to happen. But I think realistically they could be a four, five or six seed in the East, depending on how things shape out. There's been a lot of change in the East. We're going to see health, especially last season, how that played a part in the NBA as a whole. We're going to see how that works out, of course, with the COVID protocols um, and those vaccinated, those unvaccinated. We'll see how that happens there. But I really believe that this team is going to be a stronghold in the East, um, not even just for this season, but for seasons to come, because they have some some nice young pieces in place that they can really build around and open the eyes of a lot of future free agents. Yes, free agency. I think that's huge in terms of bringing guys back to Chicago. I think that's very huge. But Zach Levine talked about something, Cam in regards to DeMar DeRozan and whether or not they would be a fit. And he basically said, to paraphrase, you know, it's our job to make sure that we build chemistry and, you know, camaraderie amongst each other. And so what do you say to that in regards to, you know, Zach Levine's comments on DeMar DeRozan, whether or not he will be a uh, right fit for the team? Well, Zach's quote and what he said is him being a pro. And, and at the end of the day, that's his job and that's their job. And not only is their job, but it's also more importantly, it's, it's Billy Donovan's job to put these guys in the right positions so that they can have success and flourish on the court together. Keep this in mind, though, with Zach last season, right, when Kobe was going through his struggles, especially that game in Portland. And this is a, a, something that really opened my eyes up to Zach's game. He was able to step into that point guard spot and be able to facilitate and create not only for himself, but also others on that team. And they were right there in the thick of that game against Damian Lillard, against C.J. McCollum, battling 
against the Portland Trailblazers. So that one let me know that Zach is not just a scorer, right? And I know he hates being labeled that, or not, excuse me, not just a scorer, but also a, a dunker, right? He hates that label yeah. because he's been, he's been working on his game. And I would hate that label too if I'm putting in extra work on my game and nobody's really recognizing what else I'm able to do. And so now we can add facilitator to his resume because we've seen it throughout the season. And Zach is really that good. Now he's going to take the shots and, and, and get the buckets because that's what his role is. But you're going to see an adjustment in that this upcoming season where, yeah, his numbers will be there. But I think you're going to see him be able to, one, sacrifice some of his shots for DeMar to make DeMar feel comfortable. And seeing them in tandem and working together, especially with Lonzo, they're going to be primed in positions to really open up that offense and have it free flowing. So Zach understands what the what the task is for him, because one, he's coming off the gold medal in Tokyo which is huge. He understands that this is going to be a big season for me because it's going to help me with my dollar value and my next contract, right? So if we have success as a team in the regular season, we become a playoff team, and I'm one of the big reasons because of that, then that conversation is going to come <laughs> between Michael Corleone, a.k.a. <laughs> and Mark Eversley, of what that contract looks like. And I think at the end of the day, that front office will make the right decision and give Zach that dollar amount uh, that he's seeking to stay with the Bulls because you don't want to be in another position where you let Zach walk and now you're trying to find another shooting guard to fill that hole that you just have in your roster in Zach Levine and trying to keep him on your team. That is, is, is do you do the easy work, pay Zach his money because he's going to have a great season. The Bulls are going to make the playoffs. He's coming off a gold medal. He's going to earn every dollar that he's going to get with that new contract. Is it even fathomable to think that he wouldn't sign that contract? You know, what what could the Bulls do at that point? Because they have this roster who's trying to build around Zach and who's trying to make him the star and compliment him. What I mean, that it's just for a Bulls fan, for myself, that's hard to even like fathom thinking he's not going to want to stay with the Bulls. But it's certainly a possibility, especially if they don't do well this yeah. season with the roster they constructed for him. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, Ben, is business. You know, so if, if you're going to get another offer out there that, you know, is reaching the, the numbers that or at least the range of numbers that you're you have out there for yourself, then you, you have to seriously consider that. And keep this in mind, like, remember, Sacramento signed him to an offer sheet <laughs> not too long ago. Yeah. Right? And the Bulls had to match that. So you, best believe Sacramento is waiting in the wings like, hey, you know, if it doesn't work out, Zach, you can always come to California. And not when I say California, it's not L.A. It's not San yeah, Siberia of California. No, right, exactly, exactly. I mean, no, no, no shade, no disrespect to the people of Sacramento, but still, Sacramento is different from L.A. and San Francisco. But still, Sacramento is a franchise that has interest in Zach Levine, and trust me, they're they're keeping tabs on what's happening with him and the Bulls in that situation. And you know, worst case scenario for the Bulls is that they have a terrible season, they don't make the playoffs. Zach numbers go go down, but you know, still Zach is probably going to still ask for a certain figure. And now that front office for the Bulls is going to have to really make a tough decision if they want to pay him that figure. And going forward, if he's going to be one of the guys for this franchise and a part of this core that they have now, if that decision is no, then again, as I mentioned, best believe Sacramento is going to be right there. So I wouldn't say it's it's hard to it's hard to fathom that, but we we've seen some wilder things. In, in NBA history, like, you know, Michael Jordan played for the Wizards. Like, I never thought that yeah. Jordan put on another jersey, but he played for the Wizards. So hey, when I saw that, anything is possible in the NBA. <laughs> so 
Cam, according to uh, DraftKings, the Chicago Bulls are projected to win, I believe, 42 and a half games. So 43 games, give or take, right? Where do you, I feel like that's disrespectful, personally. I feel like that's disrespectful <laughs> because one, there were 72 games last year and I believe they won 31 games. So you're basically saying they're only going to win 11 more games with yeah. 10 games added to the season. I feel like they can get more wins out of that. How do you feel about the, uh, the total wins that the uh, NBA DraftKings that they have, that they have for the uh, Bulls? Well, shout out to DraftKings, but I just think that, you know, even thinking about last year, right? Miami was a six seed in the playoffs and they won 40 games. Atlanta won 41. The Knicks won 41. So I think when you look at the makeup of this team, they're definitely going to exceed that prediction and that win total. Um, the amount of games I would tack on five to seven more with them. But again, as I mentioned, I, I think that this is, is seriously a playoff team and they're going to be right in the middle of that playoff pack between that four or six seed. I think more realistically, if I had to stay put on a number in terms of seeding, I could see them as a five seed in the East, right? Because if you break it all down, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, swap them out, however you want to do it. One is going to be one. Another is going to be two. Three, you're going to have to put Atlanta in that spot, right? I mean, the Hawks basically bring everybody back. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're going to be there. Now, the four spot is interesting because it's either going to be Philly or the Knicks. And we know the turmoil going on with Philly right now and Ben Simmons. You can't really say that Philly is going to be in that four spot if Ben Simmons isn't there. And I don't think that he's going to be there, especially if you're watching Inside the Association and the reports that we've been doing with Sham Sharania and talking about the situation with Ben Simmons as we're getting closer to training camp because we're just over a month from the NBA season starting. So I don't think Philly is going to be the Philly that we saw last year. They're certainly not going to be finished number one in the East. That's not happening. Like, sorry, Philly. If you think that, then you're gassing yourself. Like, like that's full cap. (laughs) It's not happening. So for them, a four seed is possible, but I think you drop that number down even more if Ben Simmons is not on that team. And I don't believe that he's going to be with that team uh, when, when we start NBA basketball in the regular season. So now you're talking about maybe a Knicks being in that four spot, maybe the Bulls or Fox flip them out and see what goes there. But again, Philly could be six. Miami could jump in there as well. There's going to be some change um, within that middle of the pack for the for the Eastern Conference um, when we talk about uh, when things come down to just that grouping of the Bulls, the Knicks, the Sixers, the Heat, maybe the Pacers, right? If they can be healthy with all the people that they're bringing back. So it'll be interesting to see um, how it shapes out. But DraftKings got to tack on some more wins for the Bulls. And the Bulls. <laughs> come on, come on DraftKings. Y'all, y'all show a lot of love, but y'all got to tack on some more wins for the Bulls. You, I like mentioned it. The, you mentioned the Pacers. How do you feel about the Pacers, you know, with them bringing everybody back? Because you think they could be somewhere? If Philly's going to drop, where do you think, you know, Indy's going to end up? Because we talked to, you know, we talked to Caitlin from uh, SB Nation, and uh, she mentioned she had a lot to say about the Indiana Pacers, too, and how they're bringing everyone back and, and how she kind of wanted another piece, one more piece to really have that core, you know, set in stone over there with Karis LeVert, but yeah. How do you think they're going to do? I don't necessarily think they need another another piece, right? Because T.J. Warren missed the majority of the season. So you really don't know what you have with this Indiana team with a fully healthy T.J. Warren. So I want to see how he works in tandem with Karis LeVert. And keep in mind that 
DeMontis Sabonis is a real one. Like that dude, <laughs> everything that you want on both ends. Yeah. He can defend, he can rebound, he can score inside out, pair him with Miles Turner, and hopefully they can have a full healthy season. Like Indiana has some nice young pieces. So I, again, that's why I throw them into that grouping with the Bulls and the Knicks and the Sixers and Miami that if they can be healthy and health is, 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 is a big word, right? In all of sports, right? Everybody wants to be healthy, but nobody's going to be fully healthy, especially talking about when it comes to playoff basketball. So yeah. for them and the, the, the struggles that they had when it came to keeping guys on the court and keeping consistent rotations, they just didn't have that. So Indiana really doesn't know what they have until they open up training camp, they get in the season and they can start to develop some rhythm with TJ Warren, Karis LeVert, DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner. So again, like they have the pieces. Malcolm Brogdon is there. They picked up Torrey Gregg, a nice defensive specialist that'll come off the bench for them. So they have these guys in place where you'll understand that you can't really sleep on Indiana, right? Like TJ McConnell's coming off the bench. He led the NBA in steals last year. Oh yeah, nine steals like, in a game. <laughs> yeah, like so, like J- Jeremy Lamb, like that's another vet that's been in the league that understands how to play. Right, he'll be coming off the bench. So they have these the, the right guys in position to really make a move in the East that could surprise a lot of people. That could be a sleeper team in the East. Now I got a good amount of friends who are Illini fans who are very excited that Io went to the Bulls uh, in the second round. What is your read on him and, and kind of what is your expectation for him to either bring this season and, and the future? Yeah, Io is a, is a great kid, man. I covered him throughout his high school career uh, when he was at Westinghouse and then transferred over to Morgan Park and, and really uh, took over that program and won state championships there and became one of the better guards in the, that era of Chicago high school basketball. So salute to him and all the success that he had in high school and then, of course, at Illinois and now he's fulfilling his dream of playing in the NBA and I saw him this past summer just kind of talking to him asking him how he's doing he just couldn't knock the smile off of his face because it's a dream come true it's a dream come true for for a kid to come back to his hometown and play for his home city Um, he has his family here he has his friends here like it's all of the the makings of a fairy tale story now with that said we know when players go back to their hometowns it really doesn't work out well, especially in Chicago, like we Derrick Rose had his great years and then things changed. Jabari Parker came um, and that didn't go well from jump. Right. So even with Io, I, a lot of people have to taper and tailor their expectations a lot because it's going to be very difficult for him to crack this rotation that Billy Donovan has. So you're talking about that guard spot and players that we talked about early, Lonzo earlier, Lonzo Ball. Kobe White, Alice Caruso's here, right? That's another guy that I didn't mention for this Bulls team that was a great pickup as well. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, all of those guys are going to be handling the ball in certain sets and certain situations for Billy Donovan. So where does Io crack that rotation in terms of that? I don't think he does, right? Because Io is more... I don't... I, are you going to take away Alice Caruso's minutes, Zach? Are you going to take away Kobe White's? Like, it's what, very what, tight. It's, what, it is can, tight, but I guess I guess it, I feel like it's situational because I feel mm-hmm. like at moments you could maybe have because Caruso I feel like he paid a lot of off ball at, with the Lakers and so with having Caruso being on the off ball you can probably provide some minutes for for Io I th- I think I don't I mean that was just my analogy on that. So my my question for a lot of people that that and I've had this conversation with a few people and my question to you Zach is if you're putting Io on that court. Who are you taking off the court for that Bulls team, right? 
So situational basketball, as as much as I love Io, I'd rather have Kobe White on the court as opposed to Io. And just okay. off of experience, just off of experience alone. Right. And yeah. then two off of his scoring ability. So Kobe White is going to be a more comfortable position coming off the bench and really fit that Jordan Clarkson type role where all he has to do is score the basketball. Like, that's what we want you to do. Score the basketball because he's going to play in tandem with Caruso, who's going to be your defensive guy. Then they have Alizé Johnson. They have Patrick Williams. Never know if he's going to start, if he's going to come off the bench. So he's a that's my man, Project Pack. Shout out to Mr. (laughs) No Play. If you haven't heard that album, that's a great album, Project Pack, a legend. But it's, it's, it's those situations where Kobe White will be covered in that aspect. Now, what Io is going to be able to lean on and hang his hat on to have a, a substantial and long NBA career is defensively. And maybe he can add more offense to his game. But right now, he's not really built for what the NBA is in terms of what the, and what the Bulls are yeah. trying to achieve. Right. I think he has a better opportunity to be at the Windy City Bulls, play there, get more experience maybe get brought up a game or two or throughout the season at some points. But I don't think he's going to be in that rotation consistently enough to take somebody else's minutes. I, I can't see that happening. So we'll see. I would agree. I hope I, I hope I'm wrong. And I, <laughs> if you're listening, if you're listening, I hope I'm wrong. But right now and realistically, he has to continue to grow and understand what the NBA game is and also enhance and work on his offensive skills, especially his shooting, shooting to really key. make, a true impact in Billy Donovan's rotation. And I'm sure this is something that Billy has told him, the coaching staff has told him that, hey, you have some things that you have to work on and we're going to have you around the guys. But at the same time, though, you're not going to be on the court getting that that chemistry and playing those minutes with them. So we'll see, though. We'll see. All right. So, Cam, we like to do this. This is what we do for the last question. Okay. This is for you, your personal take, your personal, your personal hot take. For the Chicago Bulls this upcoming season or how they're going to do a trade you think that'll happen, anything of that nature, your hot take for the Chicago Bulls is going to be, sir. They won't make any trades and the Bulls finish as a three seed in the East. That's my hot take. That is my hot take. I like it. Well, I like it too. It's a three C. So that's that's what it is. That's my personal hot take. <laughs> not, not influenced. This is all generated from me. And it's a hot take, right? So that means you got to go out on a limb, a, a, a big ass limb. And that's my big ass <laughs> limb. <laughs> Making the three seed in the East. Love it. So, Hope you're wrong about IO and right about this one. Yeah, <laughs> there there you go, go, right? Right? Exactly. Exactly. I like that trade off. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it, Cam. We appreciate you. Coming on Points in the Paint podcast. There you have it, folks. Cameron Smith inside the association and covering everything else, holding it down for Stadium. We appreciate you joining the Points in the Paint podcast. I appreciate you guys. Always love being on Points in the Paint. Shout out to the Stadium crew, my man Shams and Michael Felder, <laughs> Matt Tona, Will Black, everybody involved in front of the camera, behind the camera, more importantly for making everything work. I love being a part of it, and I love being on points on the paint. So y'all got me hyped for the Bulls, man. You hear me? Yeah, I'm hyped too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we appreciate Cam coming on. Chicago Bulls. And we had a caller who's asked you, Zach, Chicago Bulls, can they be number one in the East? Cam's hot take, which, again, we're not holding any of these guests to their hot takes. These are hot takes (laughs) for a reason. These are bold predictions. Yeah. He said third in the East. 
Ooh, so let's see. If if someone asked me if they're going to be the number one seed, the Chicago Bulls, and Cam goes out on a limb and says they're going to be the number three seed in his hot take, what you think, Ben? Should we just meet somewhere in the middle? Maybe we should just meet somewhere in the middle and just be go out yeah. on a limb and just be like, all right, the Chicago Bulls going to be number two seed in the NBA, in the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference. And they're going to be better than either the Chicago, I mean, the uh, Brooklyn Nets or the Milwaukee Bucks. They're for sure going to be. Okay, I'll even say this. If they don't be the number one seed, if they don't become (laughs) the number one seed, the Chicago Bulls, and they don't become the number. Well, they got to become the number three seed. They have to be the number three for Cam. Because Cam said it. But I know for sure they're going to be better than Philly. The Chicago Bulls will be better than the Philadelphia 76ers this year. And I also believe they're going to be better than the Indiana Pacers this year. And I also believe, I strongly believe this last one, because I don't think their new additions down there in South Beach really helped them improve drastically either. The Miami Heat, I think the Chicago Bulls will be better than that team too. I also believe that. So, you know, we're going to see. Maybe not number one, but I know they'll be better than some of the other teams that are, you know, in the playoff uh, company coming up in this upcoming season. I do think the Bulls and the Pacers, and you asked about Indiana, um, I, I do think they are similarly pathed. The The rosters don't look similar, but I think the the ceiling for both teams and the ability of both teams are very similar this season. Yes. And I think we're yes. going to see the Bulls and the Pacers fighting it out. For realistically, Zach, realistically, not number one, not number three, I, I think we'll see the Pacers and the Bulls fighting it out for five three, four. six. Or maybe three, four, four, ah, five. That would, be, that would be great. I would be ecstatic if it was three, four. But I'm gonna stay five or six. Okay, because I mean, if we, like 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 Cam said, we don't really know the situation with Philly and Ben Simmons, and so sure. like my whole thing is okay. Nine times, well, more than likely, Ben Simmons is gone. Ben Simmons is gone. They get some players. Will they be as talented as a Ben Simmons offensively or defensively? Who knows? But I feel like based upon whatever acquisition that they do, if they don't improve with the acquisition that they receive, they're definitely going to fall. And Joel Embiid is not going to be pleased, especially after signing that deal. Yeah, I, I think it all depends on that Philly spot. Um, because we know there's three or four teams probably better than the Bulls and the Pacers in the Eastern Conference, but they have a real shot to be in the middle of that playoff ranking of, mm-hmm. of those eight seeds. And I mean, I, I definitely think if they make it to just the play-in game, that's a disappointment. Ooh. The Bulls, if they make oh, it to the okay, play-in okay, game, that's okay, a disappointment. Okay. That's yes. you know, that's you. You did not play up to where you should because adding Lonzo, adding Demar, adding Caruso. That's more than, you know, the couple of wins that it would have needed for the Bulls to make the playing game this season. So right. I, I do think that five spot is like the ceiling for them. I think they could, they could, if they make the five, that is a huge success. The Bulls are back. I'll be excited. And they're going to have a real shot in the playoffs if they're the five seed. So that's my hope. I don't know if that's the realistic version, but I do think it's going to be the Bulls and the Pacers neck and neck fighting for that five or six spot for sure. I'm going four or five. You say five, six. I'm going four like five. Because who's who's going to be four? Who's really going to be the four seed? Like who's going to be? We can. Uh, we'll we'll bring you on as a Bulls fan because of that prediction. You can be the you can be a Bulls fan now because you're you got these really high expectations for the team. I got expedited. I got expedited. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. You got fine. pushed that, through the line. I love it. That's that's fine. That's fine. <laughs>
So on that note, with me being an official member of the Chicago Bulls <laughs> fandom, that's going to conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast. We appreciate everyone for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to Sharp Lessons for all your betting news and hot takes and you Hell know yeah. all the great bets and the parlays. Nate did a parlay last week, and he's probably going to do one again this week. So you don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss Ben's can't lose bets as well. How you doing so far? How you doing so far? Uh, we're doing well. I think the podcast is 10 and 5, 10 and 6 on the best bets for the weekend. That's, that's so not pretty bad. good. Not yeah, bad. That's, that's pretty good if you ask me. And so you want to make sure you do that. Sharp lessons inside the league. Michael Felder, great guest, dissecting everything football. So you do yeah. not want to miss that as football. Yeah, that's season. Hate Don't Lie podcast is great. I would recommend so much fire, so much fire. Right. Yeah. So you do not want to miss that podcast as well. Tape don't lie with Michael Felder. Just it's just phenomenal. Like the last guest you you want. If you didn't hear if you didn't listen to the last podcast of tape, don't lie. You definitely want to check that out. And if you will hear from Ben and Zach from us next week with great guests. So stay tuned.